millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. Naturalhempoil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Visit naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. 
www.fighterflare.com. Order now. Something wicked is coming this way, and only fools are ignoring the signs. So it's time you became a financial prepper like thousands of others. Gold can travel anywhere. It's international. It's its own currency. Allocate to gold now, the timeless safe haven asset. Open an IRA with noble gold investments to physically hold coins and bars and let real, tangible gold, not just paper, save your portfolio as the economy burns again. Right now, Noble Gold Investments offers a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin with every qualified IRA. Just use the promo code code GOLD to claim your free coin and secure your family's financial future. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com now. noblegoldinvestments.com This performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. Responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be construed as medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Well, good evening, everyone. And welcome back to another episode of Friday Night Livestream. Hope you guys are having a lovely day. This week has kind of been crazy, what with the weather and, gosh, everything else going on. But my guest tonight is a woman named Moira Mills. Now, Moira was a child to English immigrants, if I'm not mistaken, and she grew up in Alaska. Uh, already a couple of uh, non-standard uh, life things happening there. I mean, not living in the city. I lived in the city my whole life, okay? And I didn't go to public school, but I went to private school. But I think that one of the subjects that we recognize here on the show but haven't really had the opportunity to discuss yet is the American education system. Uh, I think we can agree that it is irrevocably broken. It's designed to give our children a disadvantage in life. I mean... How can you be controlled if you're not already controlled? They propagandize. Take a look at TikTok and what's going on with teachers today. They want to turn our kids into something they're not. And my guest tonight, Moira, she is a proponent of an unorthodox and unusual school, or style, rather, of education. It's called unschooling. I think that this has an opportunity to solve a lot of the problems that we recognize and know exist. So I'm pleased to welcome Moira here for the first time tonight. But without further ado, please sit back, relax, and grab your popcorn, because I have the special message from the sponsor of this program. Please join me in welcoming my guest for this evening, Moira Mills. Moira, how are you tonight, my friend? I am doing great. How are you? 
I'm doing well. As I was saying, we have the hurricane barreling through Florida. I know that right now it's hitting the Carolinas and it is back to hurricane status. So I would like to ask that everybody in the audience not only continue to pray for the people here in Florida that have been affected. We've got 1.4 million people without power at all, uh, but also all of the people who are still in the path of Hurricane Ian. Um, now, Moira, you're up in New York. Uh, I know it's unusual for a hurricane to hit up there, but it has happened before. Has that happened since you've been living in New York? No, but we definitely feel... Wait, hold on. Katrina. Katrina, I mean, okay. We had Katrina. Um, that was kind of the big storm. I was living on Long Island at the time. We always get the aftermath. We always get some really windy days mm-hmm. yeah. after, but, but that's it. Yeah, I mean, I think people... You know, I had a lot of people in the chat saying, oh, it's just a tropical storm over here, but... You know, our beach is gone. Our our pier is gone. Uh, every business and home along the coast was flooded. Uh, we had, you know, people inland that were also flooded. We've got trees down all over the neighborhood. You know, I mean, wow. just, just those winds alone can do a lot of damage. Also, there's a, a bit of new construction in the neighborhood, and every single porta potty was completely flipped <laughs> and thrown. Lisa and I today were like, why don't they just put some cinder blocks in the bottom, or why don't they just pick them up? I mean, they know that they're going to get damaged, so I don't know. I would hate to be that guy that has to go in and clean up that mess. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, Moira, once again, thank you very much for joining us tonight. As I was saying in the introduction, we know the education system's broken. We know that it's a problem. Uh, And I've seen a lot of parents in the chat before kind of wringing their hands, wondering, what am I supposed to do? Because... The way our system is designed, they force us into a number of different things. You know, it used to be that the father would go work, the mother would stay home, uh, and we would have this kind of traditional nuclear family relationship. And they have taken that relationship and strained it and kind of stretched it to the breaking point uh, to where, in many cases, people, uh, both parents, are having to work. Uh, a lot of times, you know, I've had i I've been working since I was 12 years old. You know, I mean, I, there are plenty of families out there who had to send their kids out there to work. I mean, it was like that, you know, a long time ago, a turn of the century, but, you know, now it's, it's a different type of thing. I mean, people are stacked up on each other like ants in the city. And, you know, you have these uh, horrific influences coming from all around from the government from the media from television from the other children from older adults that are having an undue influence on these children and i think that uh homeschooling and what you call unschooling uh is uh is 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 a real answer so first of all i want to hear a little bit about your childhood because growing up in alaska I think that's pretty sweet. My my, uh, my father, who passed away in 2009, he loved Alaska. Uh, it was his favorite place to go. And uh, I actually went there to shed his ashes at um, the giant park. What's the huge park? Denali. Denali. Denali National Park. Yeah. Nice. Went there for uh, a couple of weeks with a buddy of mine, and I spread his ashes at a place called Sanctuary Creek. And uh, oh, that's I loved great. Yeah. Yeah. I loved Alaska. I thought it was beautiful. And uh, I have some I have some friends that live there today, you know, living off the land, uh, really kind of, uh, you know, doing it uh, as our forefathers did. You know, I mean, it's it's different out there. Yes, it is. It, it is. And I left about 18 years ago now. I've been back once, but I spent my first 22 years living there and we lived a pretty um, a you know, we we did all of those things that you think, of, well, I don't know what people think of when they think of Alaska, actually. I know there's a lot of the the reality TV shows now there, um, 
But, you know, I was just talking to somebody about like this time of year, we're doing the subsistence fishing. So you put set nets out in the mouth of the river and you get hundreds of fish, you know, moose hunting, ice fishing, all of that stuff, which I have a little taste of here in upstate New York because we're close to the, I'm, I'm in upstate, so I'm close to the Adirondacks, which is nice. It's a similar kind of feel. Vermont has a bit of a similar feel, but it is beautiful. So as a child, uh, you know, I mean, you mentioned all those things. I mean, how old were you when you first started helping out around the house? I mean, I was helping as early as I can remember, you know, from weeding the garden. Chickweed is the thing up there. I come here and I'm like, where's the chickweed? Like in the garden, it's just taken over. At least that was our garden. Weeding, weeding the garden, you know, um, helping my dad butcher animals, going fishing, clam digging, all of that stuff. We were always a part of that. And because I never went to school, it was always, I was always a part of it all year long. Yeah. Yeah. So when do you think your proper education began? I mean, was all of that, all of those activities, was that part of it? Or was there a moment at which your mom and dad said, you know, okay, we need to throw some other things in here and and actually ensure that you're getting an education or was it always part of it? So I think that there was a bit of a discussion around the time. So my sister was in public school up until fourth grade, which is when I started kindergarten. The reason that my mom started doing unschooling with me in kindergarten is there wasn't a kindergarten program in our hometown. Mm-hmm. And then it just evolved from that. I loved it so much. Then my sister was like, hey, why does she get to stay home all day when I have to go to school? So then she came in the next year. And I remember at some point they bought books. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we had we had textbooks laying around, but I, we never used them. At least I don't have a memory of ever using them um, because I was so busy. Animals were my thing. I loved raising animals. So all of my ed- a lot of my education came around that. So by the time I was in junior high, I thought I was going to be a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. I was like all planning on heading out and being a large livestock vet because my life had been animals. So. so- I was just going to ask if you could uh, it, define the term unschooling for us and maybe, you know, explain how it differs from a traditional homeschool education, which I don't know about everybody else in the audience. But when I think about homeschooling, I just think about the mom sitting around with, uh, you know, either one child or a number of children and and going over a set set of lesson plans uh, and then, you know, definitely incorporating some of those other subsist- subsistence living type activities in there. So the general idea, I also call it child-led learning. It's really our interest driven. Mm -hmm. So instead of thinking about education in terms of subjects, so reading, writing, and arithmetic, you think in terms of interest and passion. So you can find all the subjects in anything you're interested in. Not all the subjects, but you can find a collection of subjects in all the things that you're interested in. So um, for me, it was animals. So I would, so I really like using the example of raising animals. So I was really big into 4-H. They have a junior junior market livestock program. So you raise an animal from their weaning age till market, you sell them at the market. So you can learn math through formulating their food. So you have to research what an animal needs to eat. So you learn through that. Then you uh, formulate what the nutritional needs are. So that's different if you have, say, a milk cow or if you have a, an animal that's going to market. So 
when you, if you're not buying pre-formulated food, then you're figuring out what are the nutrients that this animal needs. So that's really how I ended up doing it because I didn't really want to be around people at that age. I was, I really like to be on my own. Um, so basically my parents said, you can have any animal that you want. It has to pay for itself. You have to figure out how to pay for it. Um, and it has to provide some benefit. So in Alaska, a horse, as much as I feel like every little girl wants a horse, uh, that was off the table because you have to buy so much hay. <laughs> yeah, so I, there's a lot of there's a lot of expenses that go along with the horse. <laughs> so I ended up settling on wool sheep was kind of one of my main things. They're great because you don't have to butcher them. Mm. Uh, you can raise them for for fiber arts, and there's a whole bunch of things that you can do with that. So well, I'm sorry, you said a lol sheep. I don't know what that is. I mean, I know what like wool, a, wool. a wool sheep, a wool sheep. Wool okay. Sheep. So just like the normal like English countryside sheep that you yeah. would expect to see roaming around. Okay. Yes. Uh so so your relationship with that animal, I mean, was that like like a dog or a cat? I mean, uh I, I haven't spent a lot of time with sheep before and I've always wondered, you know, if an animal like that is in your life, I mean, does it develop like the same types of behavioral traits and does it know you? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. So, I mean, we had, we had kind of everything minus cattle and horses. So, I mean, goats have such a personality mm-hmm. to them. Sheep, it's a different personality. They're much mellower. Um, you know, we had pigs, ducks, geese, all sorts of, also rabbits. I think I started with rabbits. Rabbits are my great. Dad, my dad's father was a ranch manager all over the country when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. So that was his background. And then my mom was born in Manchester, England. Her mom was a war bride. So that kind of brings in that English countryside piece for me. So it was kind of the perfect pairing. So what was it that made your parents want to uh, uh, go live in Alaska and, and raise you there rather than going someplace else? I mean, America's a huge nation, so there's all kinds of places to go. But what was it about Alaska? So for <clears throat> it was really my dad. He... Moved up there when he was eight, I think he was 18, getting away from the rest of the world, like a lot of people back then went to Alaska, mm-hmm. um, bought a part of an old homestead, and, you know, just wanted to cut himself off from the, what we call the lower 48. Mm-hmm. And then my mom actually hitchhiked up there to spend a summer a few years later, uh, and they met, my grandfather introduced them, and I don't think she ever planned on staying in Alaska, but... They got married, and here we are. That's great. How much how much room to roam did you have? Uh, did did you have any like uh, I guess like feelings or expectations of, of of limitations? I mean, were you just like free to do whatever you wanted? So, no, there was a lot of responsibility. Well, okay, yes and no. There was a lot of responsibility. So, since I went through this type of education, um. There, there's this new movement in unschooling called radical unschooling. Mm-hmm. And that is really not that. Well, that's not something that I support. <clears throat> and my understanding of it is, is that's complete freedom to kind of, you know, run wild and do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. And in this day and age, it seems to be, you know, if they want to stay up until 3 a.m. playing video games or on YouTube, or if they want to eat, you know, M&M's, 
breakfast, lunch, and dinner, then that's called body bodily autonomy. Oh my gosh. Uh, no, I don't think that's, a, that, that's like a Mowgli child. I mean, out, out in the Alaskan wilderness, they'll be sleeping but, with the bears and eating M&Ms. No, it's not a good idea. But a lot of people I run into, when they hear the term unschooling, they link into that. Okay. Oh, okay. it's just this, you know, you know, there's no responsibility at all. Hands in off. My, in my opinion, that's really kind of the the left kind of inserting itself okay. and turning something that that's not inherently what it is into something else. So I worked a lot as a kid and it, so um, I kind of heard two questions there. One was, so I was constantly doing stuff. We mm-hmm. always were, I mean, you never, I never told my dad I felt bored because there was going to be a long list of things that we, you know, got to go do. But then also this sense of freedom in that there's less than 1% of the state of Alaska that's in private ownership. So you have this feeling of just this vast amount of freedom. And I remember learning very young, you don't just walk out in the woods. That Mm -hmm. was the most bizarre thing when I moved to New York. Because if you get on a road, you drive out and you just run into another town. That's Mm -hmm. not what happens in Alaska. You drive to the end of a road in rural Alaska And you get to the end and you turn around and you drive out of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I remember learning really young. You have to be very well aware of your surroundings. You have to know where you're going because very easily you can get out in the wilderness where no one has been before and you can easily get lost. So that was pounded into us as a child. So it's very, so I think that that, you know, plays a part in kind of developing just how you are in the world with what am I interested in? There's so much possibility and there's so much freedom, but also there's a reality that we have to deal with. So based upon your unusual upbringing, you know, how how do you feel it prepared you in ways that would be better from a traditional education that somebody might get. Because, I mean, let's say somebody goes to a public school. You've got the uh, regimen of having to wake up on time and you have the responsibility of, you know, making sure that you're going to all your classes. You have the socialization uh, of people. And then, of course, you have the regimented uh, subject matter that you have to uh, you know, actually absorb and, and then do work on every single day. But uh, how do you think that your unschooling better prepared you? So one of the things that I recognized way back when I started doing this work to help families was that there's um, there's more than one way to do things. It, it, there's not just you don't don't have to you know get the job and you know get into an entry level kind of job, work your way up through the company. This is an example of it, um, and wait to be promoted. I always grew up around a very entrepreneurially minded kind of mindset of well, what do you see in the world that you're passionate about and that you care about? And I think that that's the number one thing that the the current model destroys pretty successfully is a passion for what do you care about? What are you interested in? Because when you wake up in the morning, when there's something you're interested in, nobody has to go tell you. Now you have to go do more of that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. You don't have to also, you don't have to tell a toddler, okay, it's time to get up and like practice crawling. Mm -hmm. Any parent knows you can't stop a toddler from wanting to learn how to crawl. You can't stop them from wanting to learn a new language. Um, so I think that there is a lot of, I've seen through my whole life in my peers, a lot of people that are waiting for somebody else to start something or to do something or to tell them what to do Mm -hmm. and how to do it and when to do it and why to do it. Um, and I think that that's one of the number one 
things. I, I also think that in our modern education system, I mean, you're right, people are just kind of told that they have to do things in a certain way. They have to do certain things. They have to learn certain things. And, uh, you know, the only stuff that we have for children out there in the world now is like going online, playing video games, and nobody really gets into uh, a whole host of other subjects that they might find are really what's interesting to them. And therefore, they they don't ever get uh, exposed to them. Um, What do you see is the greatest issues with our current education system here in America? Well, I'll start with what I think is. Number one, which is it's all directed by someone else telling you, okay, now you're 10 years old. This is what you learned. And nobody stops and steps back and says, well, who determined that? The Department of Education? Mm-hmm. How are they determining that? So every seven and a half year old learns exactly the same thing at exactly the same time. And it's determined, number one, that it's determined by somebody else. Nobody asks the kids, hey, what interests you? So there's a couple different paradigms of thinking. We can either look at children as this empty vessel like a computer that needs to be downloaded with the appropriate programs, um, software, hardware, and it's not functioning until it gets those downloads. Or we can look at a child as this beautiful seed, which I believe that God created all of us. Um, The development that a child goes through in the first few years is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, uh, I lost my train of thought. We were talking there. about what's, what's wrong with education in America. So we're never, yeah. Okay. So a seed, sorry. So okay. a seed, the other way of looking at a child is that there's a, this is seed and it contains everything that it needs. It needs good soil. It needs nutrition. It needs sunlight. It needs love. Right. Mm-hmm. But it already has contained within it this beautiful blueprint. And it's about fostering that plant to develop and grow, not telling it now you have to be this. So rolfing is what my training is. And that is a lot of looking at the body as a living dynamic system. Um, and, and I believe, I truly believe that we are designed beautifully but we really need to get out of the way and stop trying to overthink that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it starts, I mean, you know, I, we can go all the way back to pregnancy. I think it starts when it's like, we've determined that now it's time for you to give birth. If you haven't given birth by this date, now we're going to induce you. Right. Um, right. No now, trusting your body or, or the natural right, process. Right. That we're not trusting it at all. And there's a lot of, you know, babies have this beautiful, whole process of if you lay them on their back, they figure out how to push themselves to their belly. They figure out how to push themselves into seated. They figure out how to push themselves into crawling. Crawling is super, super important because it develops muscles in the core that if we miss that, um, it's something that is going to show up later in life. And they figure out how to push themselves into standing. So that is nothing you have to say, now you have to do this step. It's already there. They want to do it. So do you think like all of the tools and implements that they design to like sit babies up and like hold them and is that bad? Do you think? I think it's all useless. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it, everything is designed to turn your child into a consumer before they can even uh, feed themselves. Um, 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, also another thing that's missing, uh, in my opinion, from uh, from education is, uh, I mean, you know, trusting in that process and, and understanding that divinity that exists. You know, the idea that you are a perfect being that was created by God and that uh, you know everything will work out as long as you allow yourself to kind of naturally in tune to what that should be. And uh, they have all of those artificial. Um, you know, like steps and dates, you know, like, you know, everything has to be this by this point. Certainly, uh, the vaccination schedule, I think, uh, puts our children at a massive disadvantage. I would imagine since you grew up in rural Alaska that your parents probably weren't making sure that you had 35 vaccinations by the time you were three. Nope. I just never, I just always assumed that I wouldn't because I didn't experience it. Same thing. I never considered putting my son in public school because I, it just, it didn't really occur to me as an option. Yeah. So how many children do you have now? Just the one or do you one. have multiple? One. No, just one. Okay. One and, almost seven-year-old boy. All right. And uh, and so uh, what you're doing right now is kind of uh, uh, teaching other parents these uh, tenets of unschooling uh, that you went through yourself. You know, tell us how that began. I understand during the, the scamdemic, the, the plandemic, uh, that you kind of uh, started something up to fill that gap where uh, public schools and private schools were uh, shut down. So I started a pop-up playground. Actually, can I share my screen and sure. show some pictures? Sure, sure. Let me make you a co-host, and you can go ahead and do that. And, okay. There you go. Okay. So I started doing this event... Back in 20, the idea of it came in 2016. So really what I'm doing is uh, talking about the philosophy. So when families think about unschooling or start, sorry, think about homeschooling, if they've never considered it before, can you see my screen? If they've never, if they've never considered it before, the first question is curriculum. I need curriculum. What curriculum am I going to get? Is this a better curriculum than that? And I say the question that really needs to happen before we get into the curriculum question is philosophy. There's a lot of different philosophies. So um, my main thing is to say, hey, there is a philosophy that they use in the public schools. That's definitely an option. But there's another philosophy over here, and that's the child-led or self-directed type. So this is an event that I started doing here in, I was in downtown Albany at the time. Um, I started doing with about 20 people around one of these trees over here. And uh, it was amazing. It built to the largest one had about 270 people, I think. And then a photographer, a photojournalist donated her time and she came and captured what was happening. So I don't want to spend too much time, but I think that this seeing the visual really helps. Sure. And particularly, so we're going to see younger kids, but this is the same process that can happen in older years as well. This is just, you're going to see like two to seven year olds. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's unschooling is built on the foundation of when you teach a child something, you take away forever his chance of discovering it for himself. So it's about, it's not about not teaching them anything. It's about exposing them to all sorts of different experiences to see what they're drawn to and then you foster more of those experiences and then you continue adding so you have a really broad um kind of life experience at a very young age 
Okay, so this is just a few of the pictures that she captured that I think, I mean, I smile every time I look at these. These were so much fun. So I think he was shooting the tree. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) It looks like he's holding a bazooka or something. (laughs) This is a bicycle tire that had Mm -hmm. been turned into a hula hoop. So basically, so a little bit of background. What I did is I just brought a whole bunch of junk to the to the park in downtown Albany. Didn't ask permission. I just started doing it. And people loved it. And people were coming back month after month. So I would go, I was obsessively going to thrift stores and finding more junk. Cardboard boxes to tires to um, wood blocks, things that didn't really, anything that didn't have a single purpose to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's three pictures here. This is, um, I took finger paint, non-toxic, biodegradable finger paint and put it in spray bottles and watered it down. Um, I had a great team of other moms that were supporting and helping keep these bottles filled. Um, so this little boy walks over. So another thing that was great about these pop-ups is these, all these kids were out together. Mm-hmm. It's because another downside of our current system is that we segregate kids. Right. So we say, we say segregation is bad, but then in the next breath, we think it totally makes sense to send all 15 year olds together and all 14 year olds together. And mm-hmm. they never really cross paths. Yeah. So this is an opportunity where these kids, you know, when I started it, parents would ask, what's the age range? And I was like, birth to 11. And the only reason 11 is because 12 and 13 year olds are kind of moving out of the, they'll be more bored, I think. Right, right. But like, bring everybody. So I love this little sequence. There's learning <laughs> happening here. Yeah. And it's really important that we recognize that there's learning happening here. Because there's more learning happening here than there is in memorizing, you know, facts for a test that you're right. going to forget the next day. This right. is actual learning. And this is the foundation. Now, another people thing that people will say is, but reading, writing, and arithmetic, well, of course those things are important. Mm-hmm. Nobody says that they're not. But when we're so focused on that, we assume that the child isn't going to be interested in learning those things mm-hmm. without coercion or force of some sort, right? right. So this right here is the what you're seeing in these pictures is the foundation of, huh, what's this? And that's the, that's the spark that needs to be fostered. So we all say that cardboard boxes are like the kids like the cardboard box better than the toy. Yeah. Yeah. But we still buy all the toys. I mean, I got to be honest. I I mean, you know, getting my hands on a refrigerator box as a kid and like making a fort or, you know, a tunnel or a spaceship. I mean, that's that's some of the the most fun that I had. And, uh, you know, obviously you you don't really get to do that in school. Um, No. Yeah. So. Yep. No, no, no. Just I, I was, I was just going to say something. But you go ahead, go ahead. If you had another plan okay. here, <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> so these were like somebody was giving like fifty of these. I think they were like map or poster roll cardboard boxes. Mm-hmm. They had ended their, I think, Etsy business, and they were just giving them away. And I was like, yes, definitely. And they were. I mean, everything from you know a sword to uh you know a a post in the ground yeah that's great this was kind of some of the aftermath so i really love this one (laughs) i mostly love this one because people really don't like it (laughs) i don't know why people i mean i guess i can see if it springs back and hits them in the face but um you know 
Personal learning. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so, 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 uh, you know, obviously, I, I think this was probably pretty important because everything was shut down. Kids were not given the ability to uh, to like play with each other, and and they, they were being told to stay apart. No, this was so. This I started in 2016. Uh, sorry, oh, this 20, is in 2017. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 2017, 2018, 2019. So um, this, these pictures were taken, like, I think these were the summer of 2019. So this is when I was shifting into, I had put all of my own resources into building it to this point. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to start selling sponsorships to local businesses, like Mm -hmm. sponsor it for a month. I'll get teenagers to schlep all of the stuff back and forth. Um, And then like I had, the, the sponsorship packet all created. I started handing it out to businesses like the beginning of March, 2020. Mm, yep, and then yep. everything, you know, so then I took pause and I kind of stepped back to say, I'm still doing this, but it's going to look a little different. Oh, so I wanted to say with him, he, when he made that, he goes, Hey, look, I made a head of pult. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, so, so this is the sheet. I, I watered down all of these finger paints, and the other moms helped a lot, and we they spray-painted these sheets, which was so much fun. And I actually still yeah. have a lot of them, and I turned one into an art piece. That's really cool. Again, tires, messy. Families were bringing a second set of clothes by the end of this because <laughs> uh, they were super messy. Okay. So then I just want to go through this little slideshow. She captured something playing out with a group of boys that I think really captures what was happening at the pop-ups. And again, what can happen at any age if given the time and the space to just explore. So these boys had found, this is actually the site of a crib that someone gave me when my son was born and I never used. So it's turning into a ladder here. So they, it's just a group of kids and they, they, so they bring it over to the tree. They leaned it up. What I love about this picture is you see the different ages working together. You see the younger ones observing the older ones and you don't see that anymore. I mean, if you have a big family and the cousins all get together on a Sunday afternoon, you right. see it, but the general population, you don't see it. Also, you see the parents are there, but they're not right there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's important to give them that space. Well, like I say here, to let them allow them to be curious. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that's also something that's definitely missing from a traditional education is that instead of going out and exploring and, and really, uh, uh, you know, determining what these kids might be doing or how to solve a problem themselves, everyone is waiting for the teacher to tell them how they're supposed to be doing these things. Yes. And that's created kind of uh, a general, well, I mean, generation after generation of of people who are just followers instead of being leaders, you know, I mean, even in the Patriot movement today, you see people who are just waiting for other people to tell them what to do or tell them how to solve a problem (laughs) rather than going out there and doing it themselves. I mean, it's universal. I mean, and I guess it's probably not just here in America. I mean, Take a look at Scandinavian countries, and uh, they are perfect, obedient sheep. <clears throat> I do want to get into that. Yeah. Because I have something to say about that after this, because okay. I think it's really important. Um, oh, I want to say here, risks, allowing kids to take risks. Now, I am never saying put a two-year-old in the room with razor blades. Sure. That's a hazard. 
But kids need ex- exposed to risk. Risk mm-hmm. assessment is a really important skill in adulthood. We Absolutely. really need to understand how to do risk assessment in our everyday life. Mm-hmm. And this is when they're practicing it. It's a lot better to fall out of a five foot tree than, you know, something that can happen when you're an adult. Definitely. Definitely. So you learn and you build on it. And kids are great at it when they are given the chance. So, you know, also, this is another thing that I think is has been taken to the extreme today. I mean, you see parents, uh, especially people who are proponents of the jab, uh, you know, they are loaded up. They've got a hand uh, hand sanitizer bottle. They're wearing gloves. They're wearing a mask. They're uh, sanitizing everything around them. They're masking their children up, uh, you know, essentially keeping them in a plastic bubble um, and 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 really sheltering them from anything that they might be able to experience organically on their own. Uh, and I have you know, I have a, a, a great bit of trepidation about what's going to happen to this latest generation. I mean, the TikTok generation, Gen Z, whatever you might want to call it. Um, you know, I mean, they're great at doing dances on camera. But I mean, when it comes to anything of, of real skill or note, uh, you know, what are they going to do? How, what do they understand? And where is the world going to go as a result? No, Absolutely. I think that's really important. I mean, just being out in the dirt, it's so important. I mean, there's studies out there that show kids raised on a farm are typically much healthier, but just being in dirt, right? Exactly. Getting dirty, getting, I was, I was reading a comment in one of the homeschool groups on Facebook the other day. And she was like, help, I can't figure out how to get the dirt out of my son's fingernails every day. It won't come out in the bath. And I was like, leave it. It's fine. <clears throat> it's fine. Um, and it's really, really healthy. The kids need to be exposed to that kind of stuff. Go roll around in some dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it is really important. Um, so again, all the skills that we're missing in this current generation, this is when they're practiced. These are the ages that they're practiced. So how can we expect children or adults to value freedom when they never had it? Right. How can we expect adults to value anything if they don't have an experience of doing it? So there's a lot of, well, you've got to listen to listen to this and follow directions, be told what to do as a seven year old. That's good because it's easy for adults to handle 20 kids to do that. But then miraculously, they're supposed to turn 18 and be self-driven, problem solving, uh, you know, free thinking, go against the grain adults. It's not realistic. And we've got to see the disconnect there. And until we see it, we're going to get the same. We're going to get the same thing. So and, and this is another example of communicating and working together. Like kids can't do that now. You know, they're 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 stopping games like um, since I didn't grow up in the school, I can never remember the name of this game. You throw a ball at somebody. Dodgeball. Dodgeball. Yeah. So or tag even. Okay, so they're getting rid of tag in some schools because kids are not um, they're not aware and they're hitting kids too hard because they don't understand like how to be in contact with other people. So instead of going, this is a problem, we need to figure this out as a society. This is not this is not the right direction. They say, oh, we're just going to ban tag. Well, that's not going to fix it. 
we're, we're, we're taking away any kind of opportunity. Right. Right. Um, and, and really we've got to give kids space. So I think a lot of what we see playing out here, if you're over 30, this was your childhood or Mm -hmm. over, you know, 35, this was your childhood, but it doesn't exist anymore for kids. Unless you live out in the country, you've got a big family, like the grandparents have a farm that you go play on, you know, and all your cousins come, but that's, not a majority of kids anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just really love this picture because you know he's <laughs> just how they're watching each other. Mm-hmm. So they ended up building a swing. Nobody saw it coming. I don't know if that was their idea from the beginning. How it you know how it changed. No adult told them. Now go figure out how to build a swing, and then we're going to test you on it. The test was, um, you know, did he fall here? Mm-hmm. And he didn't. <laughs> Very cool. And so then this boy did it a little different and it was great. So I think that the best thing that we can do for our children is to allow them to do things for themselves. I mean, it seems so simple. Allow them to be strong, allow them to experience life on their own terms. So unschooling isn't about, so I do use unschooling and child led very interchangeably because that's education as much as anything is education. Um, So we, we need to allow them to figure things out on their own and to figure out what they care about. And when they're being told how to do it, what to do, when to do it, we're stopping that whole process. So, and this even, this goes along to adulthood too. Play is often talked about as if it were a leaf from serious learning. I mean, how many adults, it's like we quit our, we stop our work and we go on vacation. Mm-hmm. We got to get a break away from it. But for children, play is serious learning. Absolutely. There's a lot going on. A lot of complicated processes happening in the brain. Uh, I can see how, you know, uh, the uh, uh, ingenuity, uh, the the uh, experimentation, uh, even engineering and uh, problem solving all coming into play. But um, you had mentioned earlier the idea of radical unschooling, you know, that kind of absolute hands off, you know, so. I, my my real question is, how do we take this and implement it into something that also makes sure that our children have the full complement of, uh, of, of you know, uh, like you said, reading, writing, and arithmetic? Somebody in the chat said that they knew somebody whose kid can't read. Uh, obviously, <clears throat> we can't allow kids to do whatever they want uh, and uh, and not give them some level of foundation. So, how do we make sure that uh, that kids also have those necessary skills that uh, are going to come in, you know, in anything they choose to do? Okay, so one statistic that I do want to throw out there is that before compulsory education, so that started in the 1850s, mm-hmm. before compulsory education, this was a, a, a report that came out from Ted Kennedy's office. Back in the early 90s, before compulsory education, our country had a 98% literacy rate. Oh, wow. 98%. Do you want to guess what our literacy rate is now? Uh, it definitely less than 98%. That's Well, even, even the official websites say 90 to 91. Okay. But there was an article that came out in our, lo- our local newspaper even 20 years ago that stated that even then, 20 years ago... of graduating high schoolers were not proficient enough in reading and writing to fill out a typical job application. That's shocking. More than, uh, so yeah, half of us, about half of us are unable 
to throw the job at And we're seeing it. I mean, it was a couple years ago that somebody in California tried to put put a bill up that said you didn't have it wasn't a requirement to graduate high school to be able to read or to write or read and write. I can't remember. Wow. They're they're also not um, forcing they're not enforcing a high school education now for people to join the military. Um, There's there's it seems to be that at the same time they have dumbed down the education system. Um, They have reinforced this idea that you have to go through that traditional education system in order to do anything in the world. But then they're making sure that uh, they they don't they, you can't ask people questions like that. Are you able to read or write? Or, or if you're unable to read and write, then you are somehow enforcing a stereotype because you're expecting that somebody should be able to. Well, so, so, so the yes. other thing, the other thing that I want to say to that is, I, I'd be curious to know how old this child is. So, yeah. I don't know if it, how many people are familiar with Rudolf Steiner or the Waldorf School, but Ru- Rudolf Steiner. Um, one of the pieces about that is. They don't even talk about reading until the child is six or even seven. Okay. So our our whole population has been really, in my opinion, brainwashed to think that you have to learn how to read at like four and five. And if you're not reading at five, you're behind somehow. But there's no research out there to say that reading earlier makes a someone develop someone who loves learning. So number one, we can develop a society of perfect readers but they don't have a passion for reading and all they're doing is doing tiktok videos what Mm -hmm. good is that sure so is it a skill at reading which can be taught so the basics of reading writing and arithmetic there's a lot of research out there to say can be taught in less than 100 hours so that's the basics that get you to a point where you can take yourself further but 100 hours but that's when the child is ready Mm -hmm. so you know this idea that, again, the Department of Education or who determined that a child should start learning how to read at five years old. If they learn how to read at five years old, are they more of a, do they have a love of learning? Well, no mm-hmm. research shows that. So, well, I, you know, I think it's <clears throat> this idea that things have to be standardized. You know, we have the standardized tests and everybody has to know, you know, A, B and C at a certain point. Uh, but I think that realistically, we have a lot of diversity in terms of, you know, talent and, uh, you know, ability. And people are not necessarily going to be at the same level at the same time. And and I think that puts people at a disadvantage in a traditional system of education. Well, and do you know where standardized testing started? Standardized testing started in 7th century imperial China. Mm. The first recorded history of it. And it was to place you in your government job. Wow. So and and our current standardized test, the multiple choice test was created at a time I'm spacing on the guy's name, but it was created at a time where we had a lot of immigration into the US. So we went from like 250,000 to 1.5 million over that kind of around World War One over that like 10 year span. Mm -hmm. So the creator of the standardized the current standardized test, the multiple choice test said 10 years after he created it, Is this going to ring any bells with anyone? Ten years after he created, he said, this test is too crude. And we should abandon it. But by then, it was so put it was put into every corner of our society. There was no there was no way of getting it out. And he ended up being fired uh, from his job as the president of a university 
and basically shunned from society for saying this test. So how similar is that to other tests that we have been told we have to do? Mm -hmm. This test is too crude. It's not giving you the information that you think it's giving you. Um, And then we have Dr. Howard Gardner, who came out in the 80s to say that there's there's eight or nine different types of intelligences and you can't test many of them in any kind of a test so uh you have you know it's easy to test um for like mathematical intelligence but what if you have interpersonal intelligence or intrapersonal intelligence you can't test for that in a standardized test anyway um so there's a great uh cartoon that floats around on social media and it shows a whole bunch of animals like a an elephant and a monkey and a dog and a dolphin and a fish in a bowl and it said you know we're gonna to rank or to so camera says exactly like we're you have to all take the same test to figure out where you are and the test is go climb that tree and that's basically what we're doing to kids so some of them, there, there was a monkey there. Okay, the monkey will be able to do it. The bird can do it too. But if you look at how they teach school too, if the bird flies up and the test was to climb the tree, he still failed. Mm-hmm. So then we're pushing a whole bunch of kids through this system where maybe, you know, five or 10% of them have that mathematical or logical intelligence or something that can be tested for. But, but what are we pushing out the other end? Right, right. For the other you know, 90, 95% of the population. And then we're telling them, be passionate about something and go stand up for something because you're smart. No, they've been told they're stupid their whole lives. Right, right. You know, I, 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 to me, what you're saying makes sense because people are, are, are different types of thinkers. They have uh, different aptitudes and skills. And, you know, I, I, Brooklyn, I hope you call in in the second half of the show. She said that she thinks that standardized testing creates dynamic thinking. Um, I, I, it seems to me and from my research that standardized testing really only shows that people, you know, know A, B and C at a certain point. <clears throat> Not that they uh, they have any, you know, I guess, real broad spectrum of intelligence. And it doesn't take into account uh, those people who learn and and think in different ways. And it p- leaves people at a disadvantage uh, if they don't really gel with the style of schooling. Now, um, and also I'm thinking about children who are homeschooled, they they seem to be at a greater advantage in the world than the people who are sent to public schools or even to private schools where they have those kind of regimented uh, types of lessons uh, where they're, you know, they have like, you know, a certain set of information that they have to know by a certain point in order to, to get out into the world, to get their diploma. But the kids who are raised at home uh, going through a non-standard type of education, I mean, they've been very intelligent and maybe they, they didn't have like, you know, uh, certain information about certain stuff. But I think that they've been at a, at a greater advantage to go out and find out that information. And uh, they have a more well-rounded education when it comes to the things that they are passionate about. Uh, that's just been my experience. Um, and uh, I'm definitely interested, you guys, to see what you think. Here, Moira, can we go back to the uh, the regular view here? Yes, yeah, yeah. Because we're al- almost to yeah. the, the call-in portion of the show. Yeah. So I think the, the uh, you know, the, the, the biggest issue that I can see anybody having with this is creating that balance between, um, you know, allowing kids to play, allowing kids to 
uh, hold on just a second, uh, allowing kids to play, uh, allowing them to have that organic experience and, and uh, you know, having the fun, but then also ensuring that they have those skills and uh, the general education skills. Um, but also, how is this implemented in a modern world where people are not necessarily living out in rural Alaska or, you know, rural Michigan, wherever it is, that maybe they don't have access to all of these uh, various things that you had as a kid? Um, you know, so how do we strike that balance? What is that? Well, there's all sorts of people in in anybody's community that has skills with things. I mean, when I was living in down in the city, <clears throat> going to the museums can be a way of exposing to lots of different things. You can find different clubs like there's a homing pigeon club like an hour from me. And there's a group of guys that have been racing homing pigeons forever. You've got bushcraft stuff. So out in the woods where, you know, you can get out, that's not so much an urban area, but you can get out and like build a shelter in somebody's backyard and learn how to sleep out overnight, you know, build a fire. You can build a fire with just a little, you know, a flint and, um, you, th- so there's lots of opportunities. It's going to look different in an urban, in an urban setting than it looks in a rural setting, but it's about exposing to lots of different ideas and then going with that. And you have, again, you have lots of people that are passionate all around you that want to share what they know. So mm-hmm. it's just about connecting with that. Okay. So, so about fostering a community. Fostering the community. Okay, obviously, very, very important. <clears throat> Something we're lacking today. Okay, Brooklyn, it just corrected me. She said, no, Zach, reading comprehension creates dynamic thinking. I absolutely agree with you there. I was reading at a very young age. My mom and I have said this so many times, but my mom and I used to read books together when I was like very young. Uh, we would choose a book and then uh, she would read a chapter and then I would read a chapter. One thing that I think is is missing and that I think kind of explains why we had such a a high level of literacy in America uh, before standardized education is because the ability to read and um, I guess maybe that sense of having an education because you built it up yourself, um, you know, rather than having it forced upon you, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. So people in order to read, to show that you could read and understand and comprehend things, I mean, that was a sign that uh, that you had bettered yourself, you know, that uh, you weren't just some country bumpkin or, uh, you know, I mean. And then once we have uh, the standardized education system that comes into play, kids are forced to go to school. They're forced to leave the farms. They're they're, they're forced to, you know, enter into these kind of artificial environments and, um, and and to, I guess, you know, have certain information placed into their brains. But she said, no, I said the standardized testing creates unhealthy competition. I was referring to being able to read, not testing. Yes, thank you very much, Brooke. I still hope you call in in the second portion <laughs> of the show. But you're absolutely right. Um, okay, so how do we take what you experienced and uh, teach it to other parents and uh, give them the ability to raise children who are, uh, I guess, interested in learning and interested in becoming what they're passionate about? So I think that it's not about raising children to be interested. They are interested. They're inherently interested in everything around them from the beginning. We just say, oh, no, you can't learn about that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. So you ask a four or five-year-old what they want to learn about, and they have a long list of what they want to learn about. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But what I'm seeing when families are pulling their like junior high, high school kids out of public schools now, you ask them what they're interested in and you're met with, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Tell me what to do. Right. Right. Like, I mean, can I go back to playing my video games? Yeah. <laughs> like they don't. So it's not that we have to teach them. We have to allow that naturally to happen. And then also, I think that as adults, we Millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's www.naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. NaturalHempOil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.NaturalHempOil.com. That's www.NaturalHempOil.com. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting modes, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com. Fighterflare.com. A human catastrophe is closing in. Nobody knows how far this one is going to go. You can feel the heat as tension is rising globally. War is expensive. Open a Noble Gold Investments IRA today, and you can claim a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin. Just use the promo code GOLD. Go to NobleGoldInvestments.com now. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision really need to deprogram ourselves so the the current school system is not that old so our and our current school system is from prussia it was brought here in the 1830s so they teach school the same way in a communist country that we teach it in our constitutional republic like that should be a red flag 
Like it's not, it's not a new thing. Traditional schooling is like what I'm talking about. This whole, this, this modern thing, we think it's, there was a, there's a tweet that floats around again in kind of the alternative education realm. Often it says if we started teaching walking to three uh, to six month olds in school within a single generation, we would assume you have to go to school to learn how to walk. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> and that's really important. So I think that, and they, and we see how they move so slowly, right? The indoctrination happens very slowly, one generation at a time. You don't really notice a big difference. Yes. It's been incremental. So, right. So if you step back, and you see over a few generations, it's like, whoa, okay. I mean, there was a there was a town in Cape Cod that was so opposed to compulsory education, they resisted it for 30 years. And the government had to send in the militia to march the kids to school mm. because they were so opposed to compulsory education. That was when it was only up to eighth grade. And now everyone, not everyone, I mean, more people are definitely considering homeschool. But now a majority of the population, especially before COVID, um, just assumed you went to public school. That wasn't that long ago. So I think that as adults, we really need to deprogram what we think education and learning is and to recognize that we've been programmed in, mm-hmm. in this. Um, and then simultaneously to allow children uh, to just continue to be curious and not dampen that out. And also... Technology has its place, um, but I'm a big advocate for not letting kids around technology until they're, you know, four or five years old at all. And then this idea that they just live on video games or live on YouTube, you need to be out in the real world experiencing things, right? Like- Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, it's. I think it's always uh, kind of heartbreaking <clears throat> when I see a parent just like hand the tablet to the kid and basically YouTube kids is raising them. And there's a lot of dangers inherent in that. You know, I mean, like uh, Elsa gate, I'm sure you guys are all aware of what happened with that. They had people who were creating these cartoons using popular (laughs) characters from Disney and Marvel and stuff. And it had very, uh, just like, I mean, not even overt. I mean, it, it was just like, in your face, these themes, these adult themes, like the most sadistic type of behavior and drug use and, you know, eating poop. And just like the weirdest things that you could possibly imagine. And you, you, you have a little kid, a four or five year old girl who sees a Disney princess debasing herself in the most horrific way. And that implants itself as, you know, perhaps some type of behavior they might want to engage in when they grow up. I mean, you know, and parents would have no idea because they're doing their own thing. Uh, maybe, yeah. you know, being both being forced to work multiple yeah. jobs and trying to make ends meet. And the kid is being raised 100 percent by YouTube kids. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So and that's, I think, where it's super important that our community really steps up to the plate. So we can't just sit around and complain that the next generation, so say I don't have kids, if I didn't have kids, I can't just sit around and complain the next generation is going, you know, down a bad path if I'm not stepping up and participating in a solution. And we really need to, this is a community issue. Now, I'm not saying that other people are responsible for raising your children. We are responsible for our own children. Mm-hmm. But as a society we're all responsible for the direction the next generation is going there's no i'm sorry there's no like oh that's somebody else's problem right no it's all of our problems but again that gets twisted into that i cannot stand that uh that 
phrase the uh, it takes a village to raise a no it's the parents responsibility to raise the children i'm not saying that I, what i'm saying is that we're all responsible in some way so how mm-hmm. can we participate because right now i think it was just in 2021 there's been there's two million new homeschool kids that's great there's a lot of families that are really trying right now and i always expected to unschool my son so this was not i wasn't thrust upon me mm-hmm. but there's a lot there's millions of families right now that are doing this and they never considered it was something that they would ever do. It just never crossed their mind and they're doing it now. And we really need to step up as communities and support that in some way. And it's going to look different for different people. But I think that that's really the key here is that we need to get back to community. Well, I know for a lot of people, because of the pandemic, it became a necessity Uh, the idea of homeschooling and kind of changing the way things were going. But uh, I'm I'm hoping now, especially because of the indoctrination that has become just really overly prevalent, uh, you know, the the TikTok teachers and and the, um, you know, all of the the crazy stuff that we've seen being pushed on our children. I mean, parents are finding out about it uh, for the first time. I mean, it's great that they're getting involved with uh, school boards and stuff and, and demanding that something change. But I mean, it's just as easy that that stuff can go back underground and then rear its ugly head. And also, the system works perfectly the way it was designed. This system was never intended to help children. This system was set up to create a gen- generations of people that did exactly that we what we just saw in 2020. Right, right. It, you are you're you're training a generation of people to conform. Mm-hmm. you're training them. So John Taylor Gatto, who I talk about all the time, wrote a book called Dumbing Us Down, The Hidden Curriculum of Compulsory Education. And he lays out, he, so he was awarded the number one teacher in New York State back in the 90s. And he quit his job in his acceptance speech, I think. Hmm. And he wrote an essay, The Seven Lessons School Teacher. And he said, I'm really good at doing what we do in schools. You don't want this happening to your kids. Wow. And it's not the curriculum. The curriculum's bad. I get that. But the focus on curriculum, we've really got to get off the focus of what they're teaching. It's the stuff that you don't see. And there's good teachers in the system. Mm-hmm. But the system is what's indoctrinating kids. So he said, the first one is conformity. I teach conformity. I teach uh, class position. You know, kids don't determine so much where they where they're going and what they're going to learn. They get put into you're either in special classes or you're held back. Mm -hmm. So he said, I teach, um, you know, I teach like envying of the better classes and resentment of the or resentment of the better classes. And I can't remember the wording exactly, but so it's it's conformity, it's class position, it's intellectual dependency. We're trained before it was our elders that had wisdom that we turned to. Now we've taken the elders and we've put them on what he calls old folks reservations and -hmm. we've made their knowledge irrelevant and we've traded that out for you have to trust professionals. I mean, people that I know when they've got young kids, they go to their pediatrician for everything. Right. Right. They go to their pediatrician for like, Stuff that, what? Like, that doesn't have anything to do with what, but the pediatrician is now the god in that situation. It's what you would have historically went to your grandma for. Right, right, because they have letters after their name. Somehow they must have uh, greater levels of knowledge than you. And And take a look at that woman from Canada, the Canadian actress who got Bell's palsy from taking the jab, and at the end she said, and I do it all over again, like, holy shit, pardon my language, but I mean, there is somebody 
who has really learned nothing. A good, obedient sheep. That's exactly what we don't want. All right, we've got our first caller on the line. It's DJ Vector. Brooklyn, I'm serious. I hope that you call in. It's always good. We haven't had you on the line in a long time, but let's go ahead and bring in DJ Vector. And just so you are aware, Moira, he is one of our Australian correspondents. And, I recognize the name. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think Australia has always, to me, kind of had that uh, the same vibe as Alaska because it's vast. Uh, you have a, a lot of, you know, uh, open country. Um, I've always been drawn to Australia in the same way that I've been drawn to Alaska. I love wildlife. Uh, I like camping. I like hiking. And I know that it's a little bit hotter down there in, Ala- in, in uh, Australia. But, Vector, are you there? Yes, I am, Zach. How are you? Hello, Moira. Pleasure to meet you. Hello. Love from down under. Uh, the Australian people love America. Well, I do anyway, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm not, norm- not, not as normal as most people. Look, I... Uh, you, are. Hey, you, you are. You are. You are the most normal person I've ever met. Yeah, and you're great. I love you. And I mean normal in a good way, not in a sheep way. Well, at least I'm honest with you. At least I don't say things to your face that I really don't mean, even if sometimes the things that I say people don't like, but you know 100% that that's what's on my mind. So, I mean, and I like authenticity and loyalty, Zach. So, um, this is, this is the thing about this community as well. There's such incredible loyal people that they're sacrificing their time and their, their money, their skills. They're doing everything so that we can, we can awaken, uh, half the population that just seem to be ignorant, willfully so, and really dumbed down. I understand. Amen. So, one thing I wanted to say to Moira was that my, my daughter's, um, she's off the charts genius. Um, and you know, she's in special classes and all that stuff for, you know, instead of like special needs because she's, she's, she's not, she's not smart enough. She's way too smart to be doing what she's doing. So she just graduated from, uh, from high school. But my wife read to her, uh, when she was in the womb and we read to her constantly, constantly to the point where, she was five, six years old and starting school and she could read perfectly with a plum in her mouth, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. And, um, you know, like this blew, just blew everybody's minds. You know, the teachers were like, how, how is your daughter fully reading? We don't know what to do with her when we're teaching kids A and B and C in the first grade. And it's, it, we, you know, what do you do with kids like that? So, um, this is the potential of our children, ladies and gents. And yes. uh, the teachers, uh, go ahead, go ahead, man. Well, and no, it, it, exactly. I mean, when we get out of, oh, it's supposed to happen now, we can really take, we can take stock of who the child is, really who they are and where we can foster what. So when we're worried that they're not doing this over here, we're totally missing that there's something else that they're really excelling at. And that's super important. And I do want to tell you, I actually finished my rolfing training in Sydney. I spent a few months there and I always thought I could live here. Yes, we should see what Brisbane's like. You should. Sydney's a bit big and fast and stuff, but Brisbane's absolutely beautiful. It's like a like a big country town, and um, we call it Bris Vegas because there's literally nothing happening here at all ever. Um, (laughs) everything shuts at nine ten o'clock in the evening, and uh, it's just yeah, it's 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 not that exciting. But I like the place. You know, it's a great place to raise a family and that sort of thing. I'm glad I'm living in Victoria in in Melbourne. That's that's no good at all. Um, what else can I say? Uh. Well, what what now, Maura, for you? I mean, where are you going to be taking this forward? How are you going to take be taking this nationally um, and um, and maybe going around and speaking to different school boards and, and that sort of stuff? And hopefully those school boards will, will have been taken over by patriots at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how many times I've got to ask people to go, 
become a com- committee precinct man. go and be a poll watcher run for office run for dog catcher run for school board yeah. unless you want some muppet teaching your children things that you don't want them being taught especially all the lgbt stuff and all the gender fluidity stuff because that's something that my daughter did say to me when i was put back in contact with her and she's like dad i've been learning about all this gender fluidity and this and that and i don't like president trump because uh um you know he he doesn't want to let trans in the military and things like that so she went to a Catholic school. I don't know how much we pay for this school, but this school is like really expensive. It's not like, you know, so what are they, what are they learning at this, at the school? And why are we giving them 25 K a year to, you know, for nothing? So that's, I that mean, was pretty disappointing. You know, it's, I'm not really all that surprised to hear that vector. I mean, considering what Project Veritas exposed, I mean, those yeah. were private schools. You know, I don't know that they had any theological tenets to them, but. I mean, I think people have thought, oh, I'm going to send my kid to a private school. I'm going to send them to a a Catholic or a Christian school, and they're going to get a better quality of education than they would at a public school. But it's quite obvious that the level of indoctrination and uh, the covert Marxism and collectivism and, you know, all of that stuff has been sunk, has been snuck in at every single type of educational institution in America, whether it's, you know, uh, elementary, high school or, you know, higher education. I mean, it's it's just overly prevalent in every single space. Moira, where are you in the United States, if I may ask? New York. I'm in upstate New York country. I say New York and everyone thinks New York City, which I have lived down in the city, but I'm up around the Adirondacks, which is very, very, yeah, very rural, beautiful. Oh, that's nice. I can't wait to come up and, and, and say hello and see you guys. Um, but I also, Zach, I've been so worried about you. We did a, I did a 12-hour stream during that storm, and uh, I was covering the storm at the same time, and we are really worried about you. And I emailed you, and I was panicking. I'm oh. like, please, bro, can you, can you tell us something? Oh. Just because we were we were worried sick, and Olivia's like, what's going on with Red Pill? He hasn't even gone on. He hasn't said anything. I said, look, I honestly don't know. But I saw that the storm was right over you guys, and I saw this footage of flooding and just really bad destruction. Now, And I've seen this kind of thing because I lived in Cairns, for 11 years. So I've seen Category 5 cyclones. I lived through Cyclone Yazi. Uh, so that was pretty serious in about 2012 or 2011. So uh, I feel for man. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to alarm anybody. You know, I mean, I was pretty stressed out over the last couple of days. I mean, this last week, first of all, making sure that I had everything to be ready in the event that something was to happen. Um, you know, getting that generator literally was like a 48 hour mission driving all over the state of Florida and, uh, coming up empty handed over and over and over again. Um, so when I finally got it and we got everything here, um, you know, we lost power on the first night. Uh, and so I was able to use it. It came in very handy. And then the next day I kind of thought we were in the clear and then, uh, we were losing power, losing phone service, losing internet intermittently throughout the day and so i kept trying to do something and uh and i kept being unsuccessful and so at a certain point i was like you know what i'm just going to focus on the the storm and making sure that everything's okay the animals they did not want to go outside that was uh, a real adventure to make sure that they went outside and went to the bathroom they didn't go to the bathroom in the house i'm very proud of them there and Smokey, oh, my my cat was uh very calm the entire time um so, uh, so yeah, you know, and, and then I ended up falling asleep, uh, pretty early, uh, uh, last night, like, it, like at a certain point, I think that I just had like an adrenal crash and, um, and I fell asleep and then, uh, and then, and then we went to bed and I, you know, probably around 
I don't know, maybe nine o'clock or so last night. Uh, it seemed like it had pretty much left the area. And um, and so I, w- I, you know, I went out and I, I cleaned up a bunch of stuff. And then uh, today, earlier today, I did the same thing. We walked around the neighborhood and kind of saw what was going on. But I'm really lucky that we have reliable power now. Uh, my buddy Joey, I don't think he's here because he's without power. But 1.4, 1.5 million people still without power all across Florida. Um, there was a lot of flooding on the coast. Our beach is gone. Our pier is gone. Um, you know, they have uh, a whole section uh, of the A1A that's completely shut down. So, um, so yeah, I'm sorry. I did not mean to alarm anybody. I just, you know, I, I guess I was like overly focused on what was in front of me and making sure that, uh, that everything was safe here. But I appreciate you, brother. That's okay. I don't want to alarm anyone either. Like, uh, and Moira and Zach, you have to understand, Zach's very important in this community. He's done oh, so much work over the last seven years, almost more than anyone that I've seen. And uh, like, I, I called this m- many months ago, probably last year. I said, Zach's going to be number one. Zach's going to interview President Trump. Zach's going to the top. And by, by hook or by crook, that is happening now. Uh, that's a fact. So uh, uh, if anything happened to you, Zach, it would be a tragedy for our movement. So please take care of yourself. And uh, I will, brother. And understand that yeah. there are people around the world that I uh, hate saying that, but that we're, we're relying on you and uh, we're trying to step up and do as much of the job ourselves as we can so that we've got some redundancies and, and that sort of stuff uh, and give people some variety. Uh, before I go, I, I just wanted to thank you all for your support and your love. And um, thank you, Maura, for doing what you're doing. Let's get back to traditional values. Teaching kids how to cook. There's a yes. good skill. Peeling yeah. potatoes. Uh, this is what happens when you touch the oven when it's hot. You burn yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's nothing better, is there, really, than teaching. It. My, my son burned himself on the barbecue once on the coals. He was four years old. Never again. He's an expert now. He can, he exactly. can light a fire at six years old. I'm like, I like the fire, Sammy. And he's like, yep, no worries, Dad. And he'd go and do that. So that's that's beautiful. Thanks. So thank you to you, Maura. Thank you to Zach, to love you, bro. Uh, real Red Bull fiance and Red Bull mom, all of your audience. I love you. And I'll see you after the show. All Much right. Love. See you, man. Thank you for calling, Vector. We'll talk to you soon, man. Love you. Later. All right. So, uh, so yeah, there was uh, uh, a lot going on the last couple of days. I was just going to say, I I learned that lesson of uh, burning yourself when I was a kid. I we had um, a glass top stove at, at my mom and dad's house when I was little, and you there was like a light on the on the back, you know, that would turn on when it was hot. And I was you know a short kid, and so I would like boost myself up on the counter to like reach into the cupboards and grab things. And I like boosted myself up, put my hand right on a hot burner uh, and didn't realize it. And I had like the entirety of my finger almost was one giant blister. And that was more pain than I had ever felt at that point in my life. And uh, ever since then, I was always very, very careful of uh, making sure that I didn't do something stupid like that again. All right. We've got another caller on the line. Caller, you're on the air. Can we get a name? Um, Dave. Dave, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm great. So um, tonight's call was uh, a little personal for me because I'm 44 and we unschooled our three children. Um, uh, two, two of them are adults at this point. Um, and I just wanted to give, you know, I guess some words of encouragement to people thinking about doing it. It is totally worth doing. Um, I have helped many of people get started in that. And it, it's not as difficult as people think. I think that people tend to think that the school system is the standard, and I don't believe that at all. We always kind of thought it was our responsibility to educate our children, 
and that's kind of the angle we took. Um, one of my oldest is in college now. She's made the dean's list. She chose to do that. Um, we didn't force them to go to college, but she wants to follow career paths down that. So she's headed down that path. I got one left, and yeah, I, I can't recommend it enough. So here's a, here's something definitely that I'm interested in, Dave. You know, um, I, I think a lot of people think that in order to go to college, you must have graduated from high school. You must have a diploma and all of these, uh, I guess, signs and seals and letters to uh, be able to get accepted. Was considering the fact that you, uh, you know, unschooled or homeschooled your kids. I mean, was that any issue when your daughter decided she wanted to go to college? Um, no, actually it wasn't. So what we did is we, um, there's plenty of places online. We basically ordered a diploma. I signed it, my wife signed it, and we supplied a transcript and she was admitted. She's been to now uh, two different universities because we recently moved and she wanted to stay closer to home. And I mean, she she's done very well at both of those and had no issue whatsoever getting in. Wow. And then so uh, I'm obviously uh, in school herself, you said that she's on the dean's list. So, you know, not having that traditional uh, common core education that hasn't been uh, any issue for her. She hasn't had any, any limitations or there wasn't things that she didn't know that she should have known. Um, I mean, th- there probably was some, but I mean, the people who taught her were at home with her. So right. all we were able to assist her along with that. And and, and, you know, throughout the course of this whole thing, I've always um, said to people, how much time do you think your child gets in a school one-on-one time with a teacher throughout a day or even a week? And everybody says it's not very much. And so, I mean, if you're doing just an hour a day one-on-one with that child, they're probably getting more, far more than, than children in the school system. Sure, sure, definitely. Now, um uh, how, how did you guys do it? Uh, are, are you are you and your wife both self-employed? Is one of you staying at home and 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 basically handling the education? Um, so during the course of their education, my wife stayed home. So I was uh, active duty military, okay. recently retired. So I mean, we were able to to make ends meet, and she was the one who primarily did that. Um, she ended up joining the military later, so I stepped in actually for that period of time and was the primary person. Cool that was teaching during that time. Um, and I always, for unschooling, it's, it's, I kind of go back to, to things I've learned throughout my life. Like uh, if you're not interested in something, mm-hmm. you're not going to have an aptitude for that thing. You're just not. Um, uh, and it's not till you get a little bit later in life that you realize that you may need to pick up some of those skills. So for me, I graduated high school and I had a ninth grade reading level because I had some uh, learning disabilities um, by the time I got done through the military, um, realizing that I needed to get better at this, um, I supervised people with master's degrees, and I had to correct their grammar. <laughs> I had to correct what they were turning in for me when I was supervising them. So it, interest is the thing that drives, and that's really what we pushed to them is how to be self-motivated and figure out what you need to do to get where you want to be. Yes. That's yes, Absolutely. Cool. Very cool. Um, now that uh, you've uh, done it with a number of kids, Dave, is there uh, any other uh, tips or tricks, uh, things that you would uh, offer parents in terms of uh, uh, people who might be considering doing this? Um, 
really just the biggest thing is to have the courage to just go do it. Because mm-hmm. initially my wife came up to do it and, and she, she mentioned that she wanted to be the one that did it. And I was, I was a little bit, you know, apprehensive because, you know, I, I didn't do the best in school. So I was a little bit scared, but once we got going, um, there were so many side benefits that I never even considered. Like just the time in a school system that your child spends being shuffled from place to place to place, like to go to lunch, to go to recess, to go to uh, the library or whatever. All that time is saved throughout the day when you bring them in to educate them. They're not, they're not spending their time just kind of being shuttled around and the amount of additional sleep they got was huge. I noticed immediately with my oldest, because she was the only one that went to, to regular school. She made it to the second grade. I noticed immediately behavior was, was much, she was much more focused because she was, you know, we weren't, there wasn't that mad rush in the morning to get them up and get their coats and get, you know, make sure they had lunch money and get them on the bus or get them to school. It, none of that. It just, it all just stopped. Wow. And it was, it was a lot easier to just manage your day and manage your time. Well, uh, more oh, and the uh, other. Oh no! Go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. Uh, the the other tremendous benefit I noticed was they spend a lot more time dealing with adults, so they they handle themselves much more like an adult than they do a child. And they definitely have friends. They're very social. They get along, but but they're definitely able to handle themselves with adult much better. So, so Moira, uh, I would uh, and any commentary on what Dave has had uh, the experience with? No, I think that that's that sounds exactly <laughs> like I would expect it to. Okay. Also, I wanted to say that there's the universities are they have people actively looking for homeschoolers. Really, they want they want homeschoolers because homeschoolers are coming in with an excitement and a drive that they're not seeing in the public school kids. So. Yeah, no, I think that sounds exactly spot on. And it's always exciting to hear other stories of people doing it or having done it. So, Dave, if I may, uh, your your living experience, I mean, were you living in like standard housing? Were you living on base? Do you think that uh, the the community had any effect on, on the success of your kids? Um, most definitely. Um, the military had pretty good youth programs that they all got involved in and they very much excelled throughout the course of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and to this day, they're still involved in that. Um, and those things carried right into, you know, college applications and things like that and, right. and life experience in general. So if, if I may also, uh, what are your kids going to be when they grow up? <laughs> well, I guess we're still kind of waiting to find out. But uh, my oldest is going to school. She, um, she, she wants to work in the museums. She wants to be a curator of a museum. Awesome. Um, my my uh, middle daughter, she wants to go to school for photography. She's very interested in that. And my son is kind of the jack of all trades and master of none. So he's he's still not quite sure what he wants to do yet. But we're we're willing to help him in any way we can. Well, he's got plenty of time, it sounds like, and a great influence around him. Okay, awesome. Well, uh, anything else you want to tell the audience, Dave? Nope, not at all. Just uh, if you're thinking about doing it, just you got to take the plunge and go for it. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for the call, man. I really appreciate the perspective. Yep. All right, and thank you for your service. Appreciate you watching. We'll see you. 
Okay, so that's got to be awesome. Uh, Obviously, you know, uh, we want to hear success stories. And, you know, as I said earlier, anybody who I know that was homeschooled, um, you know, was a lot smarter than the rest of the people that I knew growing up. Um, You know, I I think that uh, we have a tremendous opportunity here. So do you have uh, any type of, um, I don't know, resources or uh, uh, places that people can go to uh, if they want to learn more about this stuff, if they're interested in, in trying this at home? Yes. So the number one thing that I recommend to anyone is John Taylor Gatto's work. He is, he has lots of books out there. Um, I'm talking to people whenever I can. I kind of spend all of my day talking um, just to get that philosophy out there. Again, I just want to say, again, there is a difference between unschooling and radical unschooling. So be very aware of who you're talking to and where you're finding the resources because it's a very different thing. Um, uh, but I think John Taylor Gatto, all of his writing is really, it's amazing. And I have a Telegram channel and I post quotes of his all the time. We sadly lost him in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, but he actually wrote an open letter to Trump back in 2015 uh, in support of him. He was big in the New York city scene. And so I think that, that his, any of his work is really, everybody needs to read that book and it sold like a lot of copies. And interestingly, I think a lot of people, if they have a master's in education have read his work. So Mm -hmm. I think it's very interesting that it's not implemented at all. And I think it shows the power of the system. Sure. Um, Because if they were really reading his work, I, I don't think that the, the system could exist the way that it does because he really does a great job at exposing kind of the dark underbelly of it. So I am familiar with uh, John Taylor Gatto, um, but I've never read anything by him. But it sounds like maybe he aligns with Charlotte Iserby, who wrote The uh, Deliberate Dumbing Down of America. Is, is there any correlations there? No, I don't know. I, I don't recognize that name. I'm not sure who that so is. She was uh, I want to say she w- she worked in the Reagan administration, but she she wrote this book called The Deliberate Dumbing Down of America. It was kind of uh, uh, an impeachment of the public school system. And oh. um, I, I think you'd probably enjoy it. I'd actually be very interested to hear uh, your perspective on it, especially in relation to uh, Gatto's yeah. work. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard his name bandied around quite yeah. a bit. Uh, over the years. And I'm trying to think, you know, where I was introduced to him. I mean, it might have been, I think maybe Alex Jones talked about him or something at some point along the way. A lot of people have mentioned his name. Like he's definitely been there on the outskirts of things that people have talked about. Generally, the alternative education world, it's called uh, democratic schools. Okay. That's kind of who takes over kind of the helping families to homeschool. And it really is, uh, I mean, my experience of it is they're doing just as much of the gender stuff and the BLM stuff. Mm -hmm. They're bringing all of that along. It's very infiltrated in my opinion. Um, So I think very sadly, there's not a huge conservative voice in the alternative education in the so, education world right now. And I think that that really needs to grow. No, I absolutely agree. Now, one thing that has definitely been removed from traditional education is uh, is civics and understanding of how the United States government works and how, how the system is supposed to work and how you're supposed to be a part of it. I mean, are, are, do you make sure that this is something that you instill in children in this kind of, you know, unschooling, free form education? 
Well, I think that the best way of doing that, well, one of the best ways of doing that is living it, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can say all we want to our kids about (laughs) what to do, but if we're not living it, our lot, you know, living it in our lives. So I was one of the state organizers for the road rallies for Trump in 2020. We did three of them. Um, and he was a trooper as I was sitting on my computer, computer, emailing people. He went to all the rallies with me. He was always like sticking his head in the video when we'd had our meetings. He was <laughs> there great. through all, he was there through all of that. He went with me to everything. And that's what kids really need to see. There wasn't that many kids that were, that were coming to that stuff. They need to see us living it. I agree. You know, it's like, you can't say, you know, you know, live your life this way while we do the opposite. Cause do as I say, not as I do, doesn't, sure. you know, really work. So I think that that's really how kids will get it, but there's a lot of resources out there. Rush Limbaugh has some great kids books. Prager U has some great kids books. Mm-hmm. Um, Tuttle twins. I'm always recommending the Tuttle twins. They have fantastic. Those are all like, like it's like kids are learning the concepts, um, like the, the principles like the free market, um, eminent domain. They're in like books for five-year-olds. They're under understanding them. They're talking about, you know, how big business gets in bed with the governments and makes regulations to put small, push small business out. Mm -hmm. So it's about finding stories that uphold the values that you care about and the principles that you want to instill. It's not about, you have to go memorize this and then we're going to test you on it. You just have to bring it into your life. But instead of your kids being, parented essentially by other people they're with you and they get to see how you live and absolutely uh thank you to brooklyn she just threw your uh proton out in the chat also your uh, telegram uh t.me forward slash the learning web and then uh your Substack as well so tell me how how, uh, and I, i just understand you have a website that you're building as well slowly. (laughs) Yeah. I had a rolfing website. So rolfing is what my training has been. And it's a type of body work. Um, and I, you know, I had a website that I maintained for years and years and, uh, yes, I am, we're working on it. (laughs) Okay. It's not my favorite. It's not my favorite part of it. I'd rather be talking to people, but Mm -hmm. you know, I'm working on it. So with all of the the explosion in homeschooling, I mean, uh, do you think that uh, the, the things are changing in your community? I mean, uh, is this get becoming easier? Uh, do you think that uh, uh, children have, a, 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 I guess, a better chance now? I do. I think that what I'm really seeing a lot now is that we're really we've really been trained that the government provides the infrastructure that we use. Mm hmm. So there's a lot of families that are, you know, they want to pull their kids out. That's amazing. But there's not, there's not a lot of community infrastructure that's not support, you know, not provided by the government for them to use. So families are really struggling right now. And I think that that's really one of the things that really the general population, we need to step up to the plate and help. So I look out at where people are going and they're turning to, there's an event venue here in the state that it was, they have an event going on um, where they're teaching like sustainability and there's all these great classes and there's a lot of homeschool families really excited about it. Cause that was one of the events that we had. This venue is paid for and built by the rock by Rockefeller money. Mm-hmm. 
So, or you've got the universities that are providing, you know, the cooperative extension service, which there's some beautiful things. I was part of 4-H my entire childhood, and that's part of the cooperative extension, but it's government funded. Like we're so used to that somebody else provides these things. So we wait for them to, to jump on their bandwagon. We really need to step up to the plate as we, the people mm-hmm. to build the infrastructure that all these, I mean, millions of people desperately need. Um, so I think that it's very, it's a very, very exciting time because there's been such a big influx. But I imagine this is kind of like when our country had a big influx of immigrants where it was kind of like, oh my gosh, we've right. really got to like keep up with this. And I, and I do worry that there'll be more um, of the, we're just going to recreate the government system. Yeah, it's yeah. going to look a little different. We're going to feel better because the content looks different on the outside, but it's not really going to be different. Um, and it's still going to be controlled by, you know, it's still going to be t- controlled by people that ultimately don't want us to have freedom. Well, absolutely. And I mean, there's always the um, possibility of people inserting themselves with nefarious motives. You know, Um, I I, I see a lot of people who are like, you know, tell me how, you know, what am I supposed to do? Um, And I think, you know, kind of the the tenant, the basic like tenant of what you're kind of discussing here is, you know, um, people figuring out what they're supposed to do and kind of uh, coming to that themselves rather than uh, being directed or led in how to do it um, and and relying on somebody else to do it for them. Yes. Yes. And that's where, again, I'll go back to the community, like support, you know, having people that we can, um, we lost, uh, we lost the religious exemption for vaccinations here in New York uh, mm-hmm. three years ago now. So there was a big influx of families in homeschool um, that now they're like in their third, maybe they're entering their fourth year now of homeschool. So they were freaked out four years ago, but they've got, they've got it figured out, you know, quite a bit now. And so for them to really be able to say, Hey, we're here and we can help support you through this um, is I think, I think a really important thing. And there's, there's amazing like little pods of people. There'll be co-ops that start. So they'll rent like the basement of a church for a couple hours, one day a week. And they get a really tight knit group of like five to 10 families. And that's beautiful. That's wonderful. There's a lot of that going on, but I think ultimately we also need to just tap into the larger community. We need to tap into the Italian grandmother that can teach like how to make really good pasta from scratch. We need to tap in to the grandfather or someone that's retired, but you can help kids figure out how to change the tire or change oil and a group can get together. We need to talk, you know, and connect with maybe retired military that can teach a group of kids how to go out in the woods and build a shelter and start a fire and cook a meal. Yeah. Um, and that's not then just reliant on the families figuring it all out for themselves, but it can kind of deprogram the parents at the same time it's teaching the kids and you're bringing that community back together in a way that right now, again, we segregate everybody. We put, we put the elderly over here. We put the kindergartners over here. You know, the parents, you know, we're both, we're trying to just make ends meet. I mean, especially now with inflation, like we're just trying to pay the bills. Um, And so I think that there's a lot of possibility in that. And there's an amazing, amazing future. But I do think that we need to ask those questions of really digging into the corners of that 
um, indoctrination that we don't necessarily realize is there, or these assumptions that we have that education needs to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, okay, so so what is rolfing? I mean, you say that uh, Brooklyn says I love rolfing. I don't know what that uh, is. <laughs> rolfing is okay. So if a massage therapist works on muscle fibers, yeah, and a chiropractor works with bones, the rolfer works with the fascia and the connective tissue. So if you take out all the bones, you take out all the muscle fibers, you have the struck the shape of your body and the fascia and the connective tissue. Mm-hmm. Um, I love I love the work, but what I love most about the work is it's talking about a living dynamic system. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, a car is a type of a system, but a human is constantly evolving and changing. It's a very dynamic thing. Mm-hmm. So it's teaching like this, that system you can overlay on lots of different things. And I think I understand kind of childhood or the education thing through the eyes of the rolfing training, which is it's this beautiful system as a, so rolfing is a lot of like injury rehab stuff, um, tendons, ligaments, uh, like helping with like a frozen shoulder or surgery after surgery or things like that. Um, but it's really looking at the whole system of your body and how all the different elements work together. And it's not teaching it anything new. It's simply trusting that that intelligence is still there. And if we find restrictions, our bodies are amazing. We're amazing at being able to adapt and adjust to injuries. But if we can step back and kind of find where those restrictions are and pull them out and say, that doesn't necessarily have to work that way. And then let the body integrate that and move more, um, move smoother. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, I blew one knee out skiing and the other one jumping over a 12-foot fence, so maybe I could benefit from rolling. Okay, Uh, Brooklyn's on the phone. Good. Let's bring her in. Okay. And uh, thank you very much for hanging out with us tonight, guys. Uh, Brooklyn, you're on the line. Welcome to the program. Good to hear from you. Oh, hi. How's everyone doing? Hi. Oh, this has been so lovely, and I'm sure everyone out in the audience who's tuned in is is really grateful for the radically optimistic and fresh freshness of the perspective because right now as you know i'm i'm so glad that you said what you said about being extremely mindful when beginning to engage in the homeschooling community because a lot it's very true what you say like a lot of the alternative education community is an extension of these other uh, Marx, so communist worldviews like that are stemming from SEL, so critical theory, gender theory. And what's crazy, I was speaking to someone, he owns his own, um, he's a big fan of the show, a friend of mine that's in North Carolina. And he also, he and his wife make small batch CBD. They're just lovely patriots. And he said his wife went for an interview, for example, with a homeschooling outfit right she wanted to get involved to help homeschool other people's kids and she asked do you all have crt or any part of sel and and she was so glad she asked because they said yes we are following those protocols and so that's very scary because people think that they've pulled their kids out of this toxic you know these this indoctrination you know the, the department of public instruction has become nothing more and nothing less than the federal government's um, indoctrination arm. They're, they are now 
raising activists um, and it's pretty scary. So I was just grateful. What, what has it been like for you encountering parents who are shell shocked from pulling their children out of school because of the indoctrination and then not knowing where to go due to their schedule constraints or needing to work? I mean, what, what advices do you offer for people who are just sort of waking up to the fact that the DPI is, is toxic and they need to get their kids out? Like, how do they merge into that with efficacy? Well, it's very challenging. And I've noticed there seems to be about a three-year cycle right? Um, where it's like the first year is complete freak out. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Everybody's stressed. The kids are stressed. They're trying to do, generally, the stress is coming from trying to do public school in home. Right. So they're like, they're miserable, but they feel like they have to because they've gotten to a point that they see that the current system is just not working. By the second year, they're like, oh, okay, I can do this. We can do this. It's okay. <laughs> and then by the third year, it's like, oh, okay, I, I've got this. We're not going to go back to last year. You know, the first year that was miserable. Um, we can really kind of start exploring alternatives. Um, but I do find that the indoctrination goes really deep. I do not yeah. think that it's an overstatement to say mm-hmm. that our public education system is as much a cult as anything. I am working very closely with um, a former independent journalist. I mean, she's well known in North Carolina. Her name is Sloan Rockmuth, and she has an organization. They vet candidates. It's called Ed First Alliance, North Carolina. And there's also Gabrielle Clark, who was the first person to file a federal lawsuit and, and um, regarding you know how to sue them if they're if they're indoctrinating your child. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the controversial figure, but who's become quite a, a pal of mine is Carlin Borsenko with the Unwoke Army. And her goal is to educate 10,000 parents. Um, I'm, I'm working on this project with her because I wanted to be involved to educate 10,000 parents so that they know, because like what you're saying, that, that first year, if it is a three-year cycle, they come out shell-shocked. And part of that wanting to empower parents so that they can advocate on behalf of their child's education, whether it be a linear traditional system or not. I mean, it's the, the, the DPI is nothing more and nothing less. We have been doing these spy streams where we stream stuff. She streams on her channel and the information that we are learning what they are doing. And they actually said a lot of these um, democratic socialist groups and like DSA, for example, all across the country, including in North Carolina, Carolina Federation, for example, is one new Hanover for all. They're very active in Durham as well. They, they, they have not been shy about their intention to place candidates, school board being one of their main focal points, in roles of elected responsibility, decision-making roles of responsibility, to, to move that needle into this socialist framework. Um, that's what the, the DEI is all about. That's what the equity officers are about. That's what the gender enculturation is about. And it's scary. And I think that the information that you are offering, like I said, I mean, Zach, thank you for encouraging me to call in because sure. what I've been studying has just, what I've been working on with Carlin through her project, Actively Unwoke, Unwoke Army, has been very, it's very, it's like, we're taking one for the team. We do this socialist Saturday. We watch their streams. We watch their content. It's, it takes a tough skin because I'm seeing firsthand, like their lips to my ears, exactly what they are doing, what they've done and what they plan to do moving forward. And all I can say to anyone out there listening right now is we have got 
to, we can't get comfortable for even a second because you would be shocked if you could hear some of the stuff that these people are planning and implementing and they are well-funded. Mm-hmm. Well, and what's scary too is a conversation I had just last week, but I'm, this was, I think, the, one of the most extreme cases, but families, parents do not feel empowered. They do not feel like they're their, their children's parent. Um, and no. they have like the ability to do things. She was terrified of asking the school. So her son has some services, like I think a speech language pathologist, maybe something so he else. might have like an IEP or. A yeah, there we go. I, I never know the right. technical terms, right. but, but she, she was like, it's not helping him. It hasn't helped him for like a year, but she was terrified of telling the school she didn't want to do it anymore. She was like, I don't, she didn't think that she was allowed to. They are very much using this weird coercive control, like Jedi mind trick on the parents as well. And they're also doing it like what, like in North Carolina, for example, one of the things that we've had to hammer into people and Sloan's been great about raising awareness. Also, um, no left turn us, like our very own superintendent of the state, Catherine Truitt, who is a Republican was very much involved in the implementation of this program that was geared towards an equity driven model for um, kindergarten for teachers of kindergartners and disabled kindergartners. So they're not just getting them young. They're getting them young. Like that should make everyone very angry, irrespective of party affiliation. The fact that they want to get to them so young really shows you. And then the alienation of the parents is very intentional, whether it's the gender forms, like Glenn Beck talked about it on project rumor, that was the work of Sloan. She exposed it. Melissa broke it at our school board meeting. It was in New Hanover County where I'm located. And then Epoch Times picked it up and then Glenn Beck picked it up and did Project Rumor. And they have these gender forms where they will send this stuff. They will give your children surveys. You know, anyone listening right now, and I thank you for giving me the ability to say this live. If your child is in the public school system, you must make sure that they are opted out of all surveys. It is imperative because if they're not, then the information is like vertically analyzed. And then they kind of put each child in a category to figure out what type of mental health services they might need when in fact they might not need them at all. Um, so they're, the, the parents are being intentionally left out of conversations. So that subversive level of intimidation is very real to your point. Yes. And, and well, the other side is so, um, I don't like using the word brilliant, but like it's, it's, it's a well-oiled machine. They're that diabolical. Is, yes. There we go. Like yeah, it's incredible. It's so it makes me sad too. Cause I, I've definitely heard parents, you know, they want, they choose to leave their kids in. Um, and the argument is, it seems like they think that the kids can fight the system. No, this system no. is, the, the, no one can win in this system. Thank you. I've been saying that to someone very close to me. And I said, do not allow the hubris of your internal, like your intimate working knowledge that you've done a good job as a parent. They are, they, you know, it's Zach diabolical is the right word. Mm -hmm. They, the system, the system is so powerful that they're shellacking them in way and like from rise until rest. And you figure you're sending your children to school and they're within that school system. They're getting indoctrinated from the moment they hit, hit the prop the school property. And then the it, other thing that I want to say is that there is so many families that it's 
one yeah. person. It's one person in the family. They're, maybe their significant other is not on board, their in-laws, their parents, their aunts, uncles. They are yeah. doing this alone and they're trying as good as, as best as they can, but they are alone and they're feeling that. And that's, mm-hmm. again, I'm going to say community again. <laughs> well, um, this is where, but the word community, they've even bastardized that. Well, I know. Because like, that's where you get into that SEL thing. Whole mm. community, whole school, whole child. I know it's yeah that 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 linguistically framed grift right oh yeah. and then because it sounds good right it sounds good on paper but the type of learning that you are talking about is engaged and experiential and driven and guided and explorative right you know whereas yeah. this is very like activism and and, and very performative and, and sort of like mediated you know but not in a good way and they've thought of every little, like all the words oh, yeah. that they've used, all the yep. different possibilities. It's already been so mm-hmm. co-opted that, uh, yeah, it's, that it's, it's, it is, it's hard. That's where I'm like, I'm just talking to parents, just <laughs> talk to as many parents as I That's can, and as many is. people out there that this is, it's, you know, we all need to be thinking about this again, even if we don't have kids in the system. We've- I don't have children at all. And this has become, you know, like it's one of the most important things that I'm doing in my life right now, because they are the future, right? Like Zach's yes. kids almost grown or mm-hmm. like, you know, a lot of people in the chat, your kids are grown, but this affects all of us because this is the future, not just of our Republic. And we like to talk about saving the Republic, but actually, this is the future of the entire world because oh, they're doing true. it in every continent. And I, I mean, we we need to fix 2020. That is very that is Absolutely. very clear. But if well, we're not if we're not shifting what we're doing with kids, and they're still coming out of that indoctrination, right? Like we need to we we need to it, we can't just be focused on just that. That's incredibly important. We absolutely have to. But it's this we also need to be focused on this. I mean, this is, this is exactly why I make sure that I have a variety of uh, different thought leaders that I bring to the audience, Mm -hmm. because obviously, you know, the election, you know, a hundred percent, I mean, like that is top of the list. One of those very important things, but the next generation of American thought leaders, uh, I mean, that's also vitally important. I mean, we have to ensure that we have a well-rounded base of individuals with a, a variety of uh, of influences and and specialties, uh, because <laughs> these people on the left, I mean, they've done this. Okay, they they have think tanks and they have foundations and they have money and they have uh, influence. They've been working on this in this um uh the uh i guess you know taking over all these various systems and they've been doing it for a long time you said something you know uh, earlier moira about you know this kind of slow takeover uh and uh and and the injection of all of these various ideas into the system they you know it, it, it i've said it before the the you know the idea of the boiling frogs i mean they have yes. slowly and methodically taken yep. over every aspect of the american system uh, and now they've just gotten to the point where they can be so open and public about it. And it's um, blatant. Yeah, it is blatant. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I'm sure there's someone else waiting to get on the line. So I'll wrap it up. But Moira, more power to you and keep doing what you're doing. And um, I would love to put you in touch with Carla. And I'll do that on back channels after the show, because I think that you all Please would have do. things to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Zach. I'll all right. Thank you. you.
See you, Brooklyn. Bye. Peace. Glad you called in. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Awesome. And um, we actually we don't have any more callers, but we're uh, coming down to uh, uh, the the tail end of the show. Um, let me just go through these uh, a couple of thank yous that we have. I'll make sure that we don't have anything on uh, the phone here. Don't have anything on buy me a coffee. Uh, actually, OK, Bonster. Um, says I'm switching from Subscribestar to this platform. I wish I knew. I wish I knew which one works best for you. Like, are you paying fees to receive their services here? Are the fees more here than say Rumble or Subscribestar? I support iPod over on Give Send Go, which I prefer personally because they let me set up a subscription for him for six months. I don't know how to do that here. Uh, then Luan V says, please stay safe. You and Lisa, much love and prayers from Florida. Um, okay. So Bonster, you know, honestly, I, I don't really know which one charges me less. I mean, every place is going to charge some type of fee. I also have the recurring uh, monthly subscriptions you can do on the website. Um, you know, I, I, all I care about really is that uh, if you feel that you're getting something from the show and you want to support me on, on a regular basis, it's whatever is most convenient for you. Um, I'm happy with uh, buy me a coffee. I, they don't put any restrictions on what I can say. I, I haven't heard of anybody um, getting shut down on buy me a coffee, getting banned. Um, I don't have a give, send, go set up or anything like that. I never thought to do that. I feel like that's for people who are in emergencies or who have, um, I guess, major campaigns that they need help with. But if you want to support me on Buy Me a Coffee, then that's totally great. And I really, really appreciate it. Uh, and I hope that you are getting something from the show. Let me see. Uh, nothing over on uh, Cash App, over on the Foxhole. Insight Gino, uh, drop some shades. Thank you for that, buddy. John Joe dropping a cookie. Napkinator79, thank you for that ship. Uh, God first, we the people has, with a cookie as well. Asty Ball says, thank you again, Zach, for all you do. Glad to hear you are safe. Much love. And then Napkinator79 says, very informative show. Thank you, uh, Moira and Zach. So thank you very, very much. Also over on uh, Rumble, appreciate uh, those uh, couple of Rumble rants. Remember, if you are on Rumble on a desktop, you can support the show with the Rumble rants, and it creates like a big banner that shows up, and then you can ask questions that way if you don't want to call in. Um, okay, well, since we're at the end of the program, Moira, uh, I guess I want to know what you would most like for the audience to take away from the conversation tonight, and then also tell people once again where they can find you. Question everything. <laughs> really. Um, and and we really need to support. There's a lot of shifts happening kind of behind the scenes for people, massive kind of life altering <laughs> shifts um, and to support and to support that. And I want to say community again, <laughs> like it's about building. I mean, I, I I'm totally off of all major social media. I did start a telegram channel. Um, I pulled off in 2020 after the rallies. I said, I, I really need a break from that. Um, but we really need to build that face to face community. Yeah, kids yeah. should not be on screens making that community anyway. They need to have faces to look up to and to yeah. So Telegram is kind of where I've been putting a lot of my focus. I've really been talking to people locally here, but I want to get the word out there on a larger scale. So Telegram has kind of been my main thing. Um, that's where I've been spending most of my time. 
Well, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, this is something else I've said many times, you know, as interconnected as we are, as as many options that we have to connect with each other through electronic means and social media. Uh, it oftentimes feels like we're lonelier than at, at any other point in history. People are connected, but they're so disconnected as a result of all of those connections being made exclusively through electronic means. And I, and I think you're right. I mean, community is very important. And, um, you know, uh, having the ability to interact with people face to face and in the real world, it really creates a different type of friendship than, say, just, you know, seeing a name on a screen or uh, feeling that you you have to post something on social media. I mean, you know, obviously doing what I do, I mean, I I have to have a certain portion of my life that is exclusive to electronic means. But, you know, I want to have uh, a a larger inter, a larger portion of my interactions to be here in the physical world, because I think that there's, um, you know, just a lot of richness and diversity in in life and experiences that you're not going to be able to get if it's just all through social media. So I think you're right. And I encourage everybody to, uh, develop those uh, those connections and those those real life friendships. Go ahead. And one one last thing, I think the number one thing is whenever we have the urge to teach a child something that we think they need to learn, I think it's important to stop and see what they can teach us because oh, cool. they have a different, really beautiful view on the world, and they see things uniquely. and And I think that it'll start helping us open up to see their brilliance. All right. Awesome. Well, Moira, I want to thank you very, very much for being here. Don't forget, guys, if you didn't get any of the links, you can go to the description of the video. Once again, don't forget the program was sponsored by EMP Shield, empshield.com. Use code RP78, get 50% off, and don't worry about your AC going offline uh, like mine did. They sent me the wrong one. And so I didn't install it yet, and so I'm waiting for the correct one to come. And in the meantime, the power goes out again, and I don't have air conditioning once more. So hopefully that'll be fixed soon. Moira, thank you again for being here. Appreciate your perspective uh, and uh, your fresh ideas. And I think you're right. We have to ensure that the next generation of children are prepared for the world, that they understand what's going on out there, and that they are not just part of the propagandized system that so many of us have fought to uh, extricate ourselves from. Uh, Let me pass out the gold pills over here on Foxhole. The scratching has been released. Uh, I will be back tomorrow. I will be streaming the Trump rally in Warren, Michigan, my old home state of Michigan. I think that's probably going to start around 7 p.m. And then, of course, we have a a number of uh, high profile uh, America first candidates that are going to be speaking there. And then tomorrow night at 9 p.m., I'm going to be joined by a uh, a Navy SEAL by the name of Jordan Barnhart. Uh, he is uh, dealing with um, some really heinous things in his personal life. Uh, the mother of his children has essentially taken them from him and used his experience and service as a Navy SEAL as a detriment. And uh, he's fighting back against the family court system. So something that we've talked about here before, but uh, obviously uh, talking about it isn't necessarily going to do something. we got to take some action and, uh, and, and help out people with the experiences we've had. So thank you very much once again, Moira. Good luck, everyone, and God bless. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good night. You too.
When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new e-books titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. www.fighterflare.com. Order now.